Is the Wolf of Wall Street a sequel to Little Red Riding Hood? Answer me this, answer me this. Will making a podcast ever be a livelihood? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Answer Me This. I'm here with uh, my sidekicks, Helen and Ollie, <laughs> and we've got another week of questions for you. Brilliant. What's the first question, Martin? Well, we've got a question uh, from John in Grimsby who asks, <laughs> Who invented mushy peas? <laughs> What is the first real question, Helen? Well, the first real question, Ollie, is from Leo in California. Is it Leonardo DiCaprio? Is it, Helen, answer me this, why can't I grow a full beard? (laughs) Is it, Helen, answer me this, how long until I look exactly like Norman Lamont? (laughs) Five years? And yet still 30 years under my actual age. Yeah, like like a baby crossed with Norman Lamont. (laughs) What a look. Uh, No, I think it's a different Leo. Different Leo, okay. Uh, Because he says... Uh, I have a question about using shared areas in apartment buildings for personal possessions. Okay. Because of the relatively good weather in Southern California... Yeah, don't brag. Lots of people run outdoors for exercise rather than going to the gym to use a treadmill. Although, ironically, they drive everywhere instead of walking there. What's that about? <laughs> they'll drive to the gym, won't they? Why don't you just build a pavement? Uh, or they'll drive to the park and then run. Yeah, yeah. Don't, exactly, when they just walk around in the first place. Leo says, my next-door neighbour is a runner and leaves her smelly exercise shoes out in the hallway of our building. Gross. Do you think he would mind as much if she was leaving her sweaty sports bra out in the building? Well... That's an appealing image, isn't it? But, but the it's smell, not really. Yeah, exactly. It's a sports bra as well. It, it's exactly. Yeah, mm. all right. Leo says, Ollie, answer me this. Is it ever acceptable to use the public area of the apartment building to store smelly exercise gear? <laughs> is it ever acceptable? No, it's never. Even if there's an apocalypse, <laughs> even if there's a nuclear holocaust, it is unacceptable under any circumstances. Well, solution for Leo perhaps could be to steal his neighbour's gym kit and seal it up in a big box marked hazardous waste or something and leave that outside a door. Maybe that will get the message across. Maybe. It's fun to do those things, isn't it, when the prank is completed, when the box is done. But if they catch you in the act, horrendously embarrassing. Uh, here's a question of food now from Rosie in London, who says, Helen, answer me this. Why do so many people hate coriander? I think it's great. Well, Rosie, it may be hard to get your head around how different people are, but some people are genetically predisposed not to be able to tolerate coriander because there are various genes that affect your smell and taste receptors that make coriander taste like soap. Wow. So actually people who dislike coriander aren't disliking the wonderful taste that I have. They are actually Mm. disliking a completely different taste experience to what I'm having. Well, how can anyone know what someone else tastes anyway, Ollie? Like, is the colour that I see that I identify as coriander colour the same as you see? Yours Mm. could be purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would explain why I have a very high image of myself compared to what other people think of me. I think probably a lot of people do just dislike coriander on its own terms because it's a strong and distinctive flavour and a lot of people only like baby food. You know, I just... I, I. I can't think of a savoury dish that adding coriander to it wouldn't at least neutralise, but probably mm. improve. I have disliked coriander because sometimes my mum will cook a massive load of it like spinach, and that is too much. That's too much, oh. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a herb. Yeah. It's not a green. But name me a savoury dish that wouldn't be improved with coriander in it. Well, you've really put me on the spot. Well, How can I only difficult. think of Mexican food that it belongs in? <laughs> God damn you, Wally. Oh, OK, spaghetti carbonara. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You've risen to the occasion, I suppose. Not really. I heard Stephen Fry in an interview talk about how he didn't like coriander, and I thought, wow, Mr Fry, that is probably the first public pronouncement that I'm going to have to disagree with you on vehemently. Really? Mm. Yeah. Took all that to make you roiled against Stephen Fry. Yeah. Now he's your mortal enemy. 
I just think it classes everything up, both Stephen Fry and Coriander. <laughs> and yeah, well, maybe that's why he doesn't like it, because one day Coriander could take all of his speaking yes. gigs. Yes, Coriander is kind of the Stephen Fry of herbs. And you're right, you can have too much of it, like when your mum cooks it. Yes, you're yeah. so right. <laughs> Coriander is Stephen Fry. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. did it take us all so long to realise? Hello, it's back from Stefan. Why are coffins such a weird shape? Because it surely will be better than so just oblong. Is Bethan aware that people have shoulders? <laughs> well, she she does make a point. Why make a coffin uh, so that it only at your widest point in one bit? Why not just make the whole thing rectangular? You don't want your body rattling around in the place. You have the choice. What Beth is referring to as an oblong coffin is called a casket. And actually, mm-hmm. in the United States, for example, mm-hmm. that is their predominant coffin shape I suppose it's more one size fits all the casket but you are right Martin the corpse does move around a lot more in a casket or just a trunk if you bury someone in that large suitcase I think also um, it saves quite a lot of wood to make them in the traditional toe pincher coffin shape which is what we're talking about Um, so you not only save wood and have shorter bits of wood because you don't need something that's the full length of human body but also it's a lot lighter uh, if you're using less wood, so Paul Bear is less likely to collapse under the weight of it. I think as well that in a lot of religious traditions, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust and all that, it's about confronting the fact that you are burying a person in the ground. Yes. And, it, you know, a lot of traditions don't want to see the body necessarily, but seeing the outline of a body, I think, makes it rather more vivid. I think possibly mm. you could argue the reason why caskets are more popular in the United States is it is slightly obfuscating the fact there is a corpse in there. Yeah, but then they have the open casket funerals, know, which just do. seems yeah. utterly inexplicable yeah, to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's also apparently... Uh, practical reason which is so that they knew which way round the head was because I think there used to be symbolic directions in which you'd bury people Michael Jackson's coffin pretty awesome I didn't see it 14 karat gold wow all of it yes that's asking somebody to come and rob your grave Mm. I wouldn't go for it myself I'm not sure I'd go for any kind of novelty coffin uh, Helen uh, but I, I have seen one online that I do like the look of but really I, you're really planning ahead yeah <laughs> um, it's, it's the job is killing him <laughs> uh, the one that I saw that I like is someone's done a novelty one in the shape of a CSI style chalk outline like you've just been murdered that's too jokey for <laughs> a funeral that's yeah, fine unless you're actually murdered unless you're actually murdered yeah <laughs> and also some, you know the undertaker then has to separate your arm and put it in the right position so that you look like you're sprawled out on the floor is, which that, is, a bit is that a real coffin and not a Halloween party prop coffin. No, I believe it is a real oh, coffin. Man. Well, you can do whatever you like, can't you, so long as it contains a body. Oh, I guess so. Apparently, you can buy coffins in Costco in the States. You can buy coffee, Ollie, it's a misprint. <laughs> yeah, but the, the coffee is so big there that you could just get buried in one of the tins. <laughs> Ollie, when you die, do you... Giant jar of mayonnaise. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Would you like to be made into hummus? (laughs) I'd like everyone to have a dip in me. Yeah, at the funeral party. You know how people sometimes serve sushi on the bodies of models? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't you serve, like, the the wake foods on my decomposing corpse? Cheese board. That would be a great way to uh, remember you, wouldn't it? That's a good idea. Unless you've suffered some sort of death by a cheese allergy. What a way to go, though. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) What about drowning in fondue, though? That'd be horrific. (laughs) No thanks. Would, Would you hate the fact that you couldn't edit people's eulogies yep if you died now you wouldn't do it and yeah and you know your your martin or your parents asked me to do a eulogy i'd think oh i know helen wouldn't like not being able to edit what i'm saying yeah and that's difficult isn't it? this quandary there no right to reply but yeah. then a lot of eulogies <laughs> don't really reflect the person that they're about well that's true and I... sometimes they're delivered by people that never met that person yeah would you do my eulogy martin uh, i think i'd struggle i suppose i'd have to but yeah it would be really hard i suppose i'd have to but you know i'd be struggling actually to attend that day because i'd probably be busy frolicking yeah. with women i would be doing quite a lot of burning yeah yeah it'd be hard for me too have a right old stiffy as soon as Alan dies. Oh, <laughs> I'm the only thing keeping your priapism in check. I've got a question. 
Email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. To answer me this podcast at Here's a question from Derry, who says, I was recently looking on the Wikipedia page for the film Man of Steel. What a life. Even though other internet exists. Uh, (laughs) Says Derry, I saw that it said the original soundtrack got into the iTunes album chart for a while. Yep, that's a fact. So, Ollie, answer me this. Why do companies release the soundtrack for a film and what was the first film to do so? Presumably the answer to the first bit of the question is money, more money. Well, exactly. The answer to the second bit of the question is the first bit of the question. You saw that the uh, soundtrack got into the chart for a while. That's why they do it, isn't it? They sell. Um, And uh, actually, there's always been a connection between film and and music because if you go right the way back to silent film yeah uh, there used to be a musical accompaniment so Absolutely. right from the origins of film people used to sell sheet music for the music they'd expect to be playing whilst the film is on and also isn't there something about how the first talkies had a lot of music in because they were dazzling people with the potential of the new medium well indeed and actually as early as 1933 you had the first completely original score being written that was for wow. king kong oh um, mm. so even in 1933 uh, they'd got the idea that rather than just putting in some well-known uh, ragtime hit uh, it would be a good idea to actually score the action. And yet, no offence to Superman, Man of Steel, a film which I chose not to see, mm. like many people did. Um, I'd imagine that maybe there's not that much to listen to. A lot of flying music, maybe. A couple of rock songs that they tacked on at the end of the credits. In Man of Steel? I'm guessing. Yeah, I hate that when they do that. Like when there's like an exclusive Take That song or something for a or Disney cartoon. Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2. Yeah, and it's not even film. in the film. It's just over the titles at the end. Well, though, but um, that song from Four Weddings and a Funeral that Wet, Wet, Wet... Yeah, Love Is wet, All Around, yeah. Wet, Wet, Wet didn't perform it in the film. Yeah, it's annoying that. Yeah, but at least then the, the song was in the film, just performed by other people. Well, this thing, so you're, you're hitting upon the other reason as to Am why I... soundtrack CDs get released still now. It's partly because people see the film and they want to buy stuff about the film. It's also because they like the artists that are recording a song exclusively for the film and then they'll buy the CD and then they're more likely to go and see the film. So all in all, it works for both parties. Actually, though, the first available recorded soundtrack, uh, so as opposed to just sheet music, but an actual recording, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of obvious when you know it. Was it the jazz singer? No, although I guess that's, yeah, I guess that was slightly before kind of vinyl records were widely available, though. Um, But when I tell you the date, January 1938... It's not something to do with Hitler, is it? It was a triumph of the world. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh! Yeah, of course, because it's for the kids, right? So people immediately mm. were like, oh, that, that song, Hi-Ho, sure is catchy. I want to play mm. that down in the kindergarten. I thought people didn't buy things for children until at least the 80s. I thought well, children were seen and not heard before then. Well, Disney, of course, was the company that innovated, I suppose, uh, the childhood experience as we know it now. And turned uh, it into a money-making machine. Exactly, via the mainstream movies. So uh, actually, interestingly, the very first soundtrack, it wasn't just called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The full title of the vinyl release was Walt Disney's... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, open bracket, with the same characters and sound effects as in the film of that title, close brackets. <laughs> Square brackets, buy it for everybody, close bracket. Well, but they had to explain what a soundtrack album was because no so. one had done it before. I guess so. And for many years, there was confusion as to whether soundtrack literally meant a replication of the soundtrack from the film because of course the word soundtrack means mm. the track of sound that is the music the foley the dialogue oh my the god audio imagine getting all the foley yeah and all the dialogue that would be rubbish well, it would, I get, but you see in a day before you could buy the vhs or the dvd or mm. the download 
it could be a way for you to experience the film again. Like if it's a musical, you might want to hear the whole thing. It's like the opposite mm. of a talkie though, isn't it? Mm, we'll just yeah, take all the noises and not give you the picture. Yeah, but there was a raging argument about this and the word soundtrack. How long for? How many decades did this war rage on? <laughs> well, it's still going on between oh. nerds on the internet. Oh, but, Lord. But the outcome is it is too complicated to differentiate uh, what would lock to picture if you watched it mm-hmm. with the video mm-hmm. and what is just the music. So when you're talking about a musical, the reason people wanted to know is what people like to do in the age of video pre-DVD is you'd have, that's the best quality video you could, the picture that you could get, but of course you could get better quality audio by buying the CD. So people wanted to buy the uh, CD of the soundtrack and play it simultaneously with the video, but they wouldn't whoa. necessarily lock to picture because it's just the songs, not the edited songs as they are in the film. But uh, that's musicals. Uh-huh. Uh, mm. Of course, if you put musicals to one side and you ask what was the first like dramatic film like man of steel to yeah. have a to have a soundtrack available it wasn't actually until the 60s oh. um classical scores that were written for films obviously had been written for 30 or so years between yeah. that uh, but it wasn't until basically hitchcock all the ah. herman stuff people mm. wanted psycho and the birds and all that yeah, a really good piece of music isn't it? it was that and it was, it was um it was as as a result of that phenomenon that uh, finally, in 1967, they released Gone with the Wind as a soundtrack. Unbelievable. Mm. It took them until 1967 to release... Da, 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 like one of the most famous film scores ever. You couldn't buy that for 30 years. And how bloody long was that soundtrack? Gone with the Wind yeah. is about five hours, isn't it? <laughs> Here's another question of music from Brian from Port Glasgow, who says, As you're of roughly similar vintage to me, mm. I'm hoping you can help. I have a tune lodged in my head, but I can't place it. Mm. I think it might have been the theme from a kids' TV show in the 80s. I've recorded myself playing the basic outline of the tune on the piano. It's pretty rough as it's from distant memory. Wow. So, Ollie, can you name this tune? Oh, I know it. No idea. I mean, you could. I'm starting to fit words to it that don't belong to it, like. Blue See how it works? Double dare. Yeah. Backpurs, backpurs everywhere. Neighbours. Yeah. I recognise that, but frustratingly, I can't answer what that is. Crushing. This is one to throw out to the listeners. Listeners, can you name that tune? Come on, listeners. That's really annoying. It's going to be playing around in my mind for ages But then people will be like, it's obvious, you guys, it's obvious. Yeah, it is easy when you know, isn't it? That's the thing. Someone will have heard the opening bars of that and remembered a really vivid scene from their childhood. I feel a fool for not knowing this. Thanks, Brian. You've made me feel a fool. I think the instrumentation is the thing, isn't it? Like, I don't think the original was probably on that lovely sort of lo-fi piano thing mm. that he he's probably had, like, loads of synthesizers Synth. yeah. and beats and things yeah. going but, on. But this sounds like it could be bucket and spade, bucket and spade, everyone grab your bucket and spade, and it's a song that you get played at nursery. Yeah. yeah I, I that made that up. Song? No, I made it up, oh. but it sounds like that, right? Copyright Helen Zaltzman, 2014. In this time of purse strings tightening... Internet's a smorgasbord of fabulous free things Like showbiz news, no need for magazines Stalking your old school friends Videos of fat kids falling over Stealing films and music Sharing photos of your nan Filing your tax return But by far my favourite free thing to type Is answer me this into Skype Listeners, do not forget that you can submit questions using your voice by dialing the following number. 0208123 
5807. Alternatively, you can leave us an answer phone message by Skyping Answer Me This. Hi, Helen Ollie. It's Joe from Newnham, now in Loughton, for drama school. Yay! Helen Ollie and Martin, answer me this. What would be your specialist subject on Mastermind? This question has plunged me into a depression because it just reinforces the fact that while I have a very, very, very scant knowledge of myriad topics, mm. I have no deep knowledge about anything. Oh, come on. Pop music of the 18, 80s and 90s. The 1880s? I know nothing about it. <laughs> one, hit, one hit wonders no, that's true. of the latter part of the 20th century. I can identify a lot of pop songs that I haven't heard since childhood just from the first couple of bars, but I don't think that would really count. Well, these oh, days... Mastermind. Really? Yeah, Mastermind has expanded very deep into the waters of pop culture now. I mean, you're right that originally it used to be, you know, former Roman roads of Britain or whatever. <laughs> but now people choose a Mastermind subject and it is like, you know, characters that have appeared in EastEnders. Okay, I watched the first series of Fame Academy very avidly, but... Even that, I probably couldn't answer questions Was that the Lamar series? Yeah. Oh, there we go. I think mastermind questions are a little bit harder than that, than <laughs> was it the Lamar series? A hundred million points. Yeah. Pass. <laughs> um, uh, I, I agree that I also have um, a lack of depth of knowledge in any particular subject. Oh, and come crowd. on, musical theatre. Disney. Well, yeah, but this is the thing, right? I find it easier than you, perhaps, to choose subjects that I would like to revise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually what's happening behind the scenes whenever any contestant goes on mastermind if you think about it mm-hmm. there are very few people that really love us i know some people go on and they know all about railways or whatever but generally most people what they do i think is they prepare their specialist subject mm-hmm. by thinking what's the thing i'd like i like but i'd like to know more about and then they revise it so i think i would probably pick actually the films of woody allen oh no that's mm. a bad idea because there are so many because with my degree i chose old and medieval english because there's much less of it than if you go for english after that you need to choose a filmmaker that died after making six films. Yeah, but then I think people think you're crap. No. People are like, oh, he only did Kubrick. That's, you know, it's like only 10 films to watch or whatever. It's like it's much more sensible to choose the novels of Donna Tart because she's only done yeah. three no, rather I, than the full Walter Scott. Of course, you're not going to choose Dickens. You'd be a lunatic. But I think Woody Allen, That's it, it's impressive that you know about that many films, but at the same time, I'd happily watch... I'd happily watch each of them again once. Even Cassandra's Dream. No, or Scoob. True. But still, you know... That, the, all of the questions would be about those. Yeah, yeah, they probably would try mm-hmm. and catch I up. I think I'd happily watch 10, 10% of Woody Allen's films 10 times over than have, be forced to watch his entire catalogue. The point being, you choose a subject that you want to learn more about and then you learn about it. Yeah, but wouldn't you choose Disney Park so that you had to go to all of them again? Yeah, that would be pretty cool, actually. And think I, on it. I wonder as well, if you wrote to the Walt Disney Company and you said, I'm going on Mastermind. It's going to be on BBC One, primetime. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing questions about Disney parks you want to chuck in a free trip I reckon to all of them I reckon they would do you think that a lot of people choose their specialist subject because it's not naturally the thing they know about the best but it makes them look kind of intellectual I think that is possibly the case the most successful round ever on Mastermind specialist subjects was uh, in 2010 actually so quite recent uh, when the series champion Jesse Honey sexy name no really I'm sure bet he wasn't a sexy guy uh, he scored 23 out of 23 on the subject Flags of the World. Oh. I think that's a really clever one to pick because it makes you look very educated and academic, Flags of the World, yeah. worldly man. At the same mm. time as you're saying, there's still a limit on the amount of flags there are. Yeah, you can get all of that information on a poster exactly. and just stare at that poster every time you're on the loo for a month. Exactly, like 23 mm. questions, you could pretty much guess what at least half of them were going to be. All right, so what, what, what should my specialist subject be? Uh, beard growth. And you could do a practical... <laughs> uh, oh, Lost Rivers of London. 
Again, yeah. I, 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 my knowledge is a bit patchy on that. No, Urban Walks of London, you would be good on that. Yeah, maybe. He'd, he'd be good at setting the questions. Hilarious that none of us are mentioning uh, social physics, the actual area <laughs> in which you are an academic. It's, it's a made-up area. Yeah, no one knows what it is. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but that's the kind of thing that would work really well because you effectively could set your own questions, couldn't you, if you're um, an expert in your field? Also, none of us uh, mentioned quantum physics, uh, which Martin spent four years studying for a doctorate. I, I have a feeling that might be your experience of general life, that people don't tend to mention quantum physics. <laughs> oh, you study quantum physics? That's so useful. Tell me more while yeah. I take my clothes off. <laughs> um, story of my life. Story of my life. I take you home. I read you quantum physics. What's um, that song? That's me trying to do the One Direction song, Story of My Life. Is, so is One Direction a reference to the uh, unsymmetric wave function collapse? That's right. <laughs> the thing is, if you get too specific with your choice of specialist subject, uh, they are entitled on the Mastermind production team to, to ban you from doing it. So if you said... Harry Styles' hair, as I'd imagine a lot of teenage girls would choose mm. for their specialist subject. That's right, yes. You'd have to say something more like um, uh, X Factor winners and losers. Hair. You know, that's a broad enough... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a broad enough category. Yeah. But yes, you can't be too specific. So for example, um, specialist subject rounds that have been declined by Mastermind include uh, cremation practice and law in Britain. Why? Wow. Why? Um, there must be quite that a lot of that. I wonder if that's a taste and decency thing. Mm. Maybe um, maybe it's too difficult actually to frame questions about it. Possibly. Uh, mm. Routes to anywhere in mainland Britain by road from Letchworth was deemed <laughs> too specific. Too subjective, I would say. Why? I didn't know you already put in a, a <laughs> <laughs> Um The banana industry rejected. Whoa! No, that would be really interesting. But you see, I think not specific enough mm. on that one. Mm. Uh, almost if you said bananas yes but if you say the banana industry mm. you know then do you have to have too many questions about what are they called canita or whatever and another subject that was turned down was uh, orthopedic bone cement in total hip replacement Ooh. that's a bit that is definitely too specific i think too vivid for bbc one as well yeah I, i'm quite squeamish about uh, joints particularly mm. ball and socket they're talking about the glue the cement that's the cement right yeah but i'm still thinking about the broken joint Interesting fact about Mastermind scheduling, actually. Mm -hmm. I say too ripe for BBC One. Mastermind initially, you think how cheap it is. It's just a chair, isn't it? It's a chair and some lights, (laughs) yeah. Um, It was originally commissioned as a cheap filler for a late late night Sunday slot like it went out like 11.30 at night or midnight yeah, or something. Yeah, well it's pretty rude isn't it? Uh, <laughs> what if your specialist subject was uh, boobs? And um, it only got moved to prime time in 1973 because there were viewer complaints about a Leslie Phillips starring sitcom vehicle called Casanova 73. Jeez. It was deemed too ripe Wow. For BBC One, and they had nothing to put in the slot when they took it off, so they, they bumped up Mastermind. So like, what is the opposite of something that is too ripe? Yeah. Mastermind. Old men sitting in chairs. <laughs> yeah, and talking about fishing flies. Isn't it interesting that that, because Mastermind is such a perennial format, it's something that has lasted now for like three, four decades, will continue to be around when we're 70. Well, people always will have minds. Yeah. And mastering of things. Yeah. I'd and yeah, it's the kind of thing that people think is too simple in a way to commission as a, as a big primetime idea. Well, it's because it's, cause it's you know, not... General knowledge. Yeah, you can't get any sexy models into it either. Well, you can. I've, I've never seen Master Boobs, but I reckon Richard Desmond gave it a go at one point. You know what they would do? You know how they exported Deal No Deal to America and replaced all the boring people that think they're psychic with models? Yes. They could replace the chair with some women. Mm. So you sit on women. a woman. Sexy women. Just sit on a woman. Actually, right, I mean, I was thinking about that in a very seedy way or in a sort of abstract arty way, mm. sort of, mm. you know, Chapman Brothers type way. It but, could almost be seaside postcard fun. But actually, yes. If you imagine it genuinely as they're in sort of sparkly bikinis, all American girls, big smiles, white teeth, and actually just five of them kind of hold you up as you answer the questions. Yeah. I could imagine that happening. What do and you win? Do you win the chair? Fuck all, obviously. Do you get oh. a pen? Do you win the credibility of like being the, cre- the mastermind? Is it like the Telegraph crossword? I wonder if anyone's ever applied to do 
former specialist subjects of Mastermind or Mastermind as their specialist <laughs> subject. Wow. What would happen? Would the world implode if you did? So when you Google, Google. Yeah. <laughs> In the 90s, I hired a 12-person web team To build and run my websites and I realised my tech dream Then the dot-com bubble burst and I had to drown them in a stream Why didn't I just sack them? But now, thanks to Squarespace, you can do it alone And build a lovely website for tablet or smartphone Enjoy it now, cos in 10 years you'll be replaced by a drone Just like Terminator 3 Thank you to Squarespace.com for their support of this episode of Answer Me This. Most kind, most kind. Thank you, dear Lord Squarespace. Patron of the arts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, We invite you listeners to check out their incredible web building services. We do, because you're a genuinely happy customer of those, aren't you, Ollie? I am. uh, As mentioned last... uh, I nearly said last week there. Got to get used to this new format. Uh, As mentioned last episode of Answer Mm. Me This, um, if you visit answermethisstore.com... All built by Ollie Man's fair hand. Yeah, that's a website that I... I built using a Squarespace template. As you'll see, it's a store. If you want to open your own store, it's really good because you get a free web address with Squarespace. And if you sell stuff, like we sell digital files, obviously, they host the files for you. So yeah, it is easy and it is good. So go do that. If you if you try it out and you like it, then use the code ANSWER1 to get 10% off Squarespace for a year. And uh, when I say ANSWER1, I mean answer the word followed by the digit one. Yeah, not uh, J-U-A-N like the Spanish name, Juan. Answer Juan. Yeah. Answer, answer Juan is the Spanish affiliate podcast <laughs> of it's, this. It's really good. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's yeah. muy bueno. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's a question from Damien from Chelmsford, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Talking parrots. What's that about? <laughs> what? We're in a clip show, aren't we? <laughs> oh, remember talking parrots? Yeah. What were they on? Yeah. Uh, what is the benefit to them of mimicking humans and, well, publicity? Uh, we're talking about them right now. Mm. And do they mimic other creatures or sounds in the wild? Yes, they do. Can they reasonably can they reasonably <laughs> be expected to mimic any sound? Or are they limited to the same vocal range as us humans? Why would they have the same mm. one? Yeah, they, the they, birds. They don't, they don't, yes. They have the vocal range of a bird, but that, Im- <laughs> that includes some sounds that humans can make, so they can do a fair old mimic of a human. Um, okay, let's go through this step by step. Right. Okay, let me propose my theory and see if it's right. Is it so that they can mimic predators and scare off other predators? No. Oh, okay. Although that's not to say that's not part of it, of course. Or they can mimic other things that the predators don't want to eat. It's partly a mating thing. Mm. It's them saying to other parrots, look at my incredible neural functional ability. Look, wow. I can, check me out, ladies. I've got good hearing, memory, and muscle control for sound production. So Let me mount you. It's like being kind of funny and witty. Yeah, exactly. that, that's yeah. nice. It's not like the peacock going, look at my tail, ladies. It's going, hey... As a long-term investment, I've got a lot of character and talent. Yeah, because we all know that impressionists are irresistible to ladies. If you liked Bremner, Bird and Fortune, you'd like sex with me. That's what the parrot is saying. <laughs> so what would a gorilla say? Well, it might sound a little something <laughs> like this. But it, it's somewhat mythologised, isn't it, the ability of talking birds? They sort of mimic sound patterns, don't they? But they hmm. don't actually acquire language as we understand it. No, no, they are just mimicking whatever they hear. So so yes, Damien, um, in, in the wild, they would be mimicking other birds, not humans, because they clearly would never have heard a human but in the town mobile phone sounds exactly. actually our canary which wasn't a particularly powerful mimic did mimic the the exact tone of our phone yeah and that wouldn't mimic anything else it just mimic that well there's lots of birds apparently that do mimic like mockingbirds do it as well minor Hence birds the name. minor yeah. birds are very very good as well. yes but, but parrots have really gone away with the brand value on this one well they're they? also really colorful minor birds just look yeah. like big scary crows they are but i actually I, I feel guilty about imprisoning a parrot in a cage and yet other birds i'm like well they're boring anyway <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? Whereas a, a parrot, I, it's kind of making me think, oh, this is an intelligent animal because it can mimic me and I feel mm. bad that it's in this environment. It's often used as a plot point in films like courtroom dramas as well. The parrot is the star witness. Yes. And so parrots wouldn't be in as many films, I think, if they weren't able to cheer up punchlines in pirate films and solve crimes. But it is a great plot point, though, isn't it? If someone's philandering or something and then the parrot one day says to his wife, drop your knickers. That is brilliant, isn't it? If it is a way of catching mm. someone out at something they wanted to be secret, the parrot is a great plot device. It's just never going to happen, though, is it? In real life. Or is it? I'd be intrigued if a listener had had a relationship ruined by an indiscreet parrot. Were you outed by a parrot? Please let us that, know. That's a niche question, but, you know, with an ever-increasing audience, you never know. Indeed. Here's a question from Joss from Exeter, who says... I've recently been not revising for my exams and thus I've been looking at a lot of Lego online as something to do. But it's all so much money. So Ollie answered me this. Why is Lego so expensive? More of a rant than a question this, isn't it? And have you seen the price of Lego these days, honestly? <laughs> exactly. exactly, I think you, you can't to get make the a point. three-bedroom house in London for less than 40 quid now. Uh, the basic reason Lego is so expensive, as you put it, although I don't think it's outrageous. Yeah, but that's because you're earning. Uh, no, I, I think it's expensive. Well, look, it's a quality product, but well, we'll get to that point in a minute. Mm. The main reason it's so expensive is it can be. You know, we live in a system of capitalism. Yeah. They are a premium brand. There's Lego or there's what? Stickle uh, bricks? I doubt it. Well, exactly. So, you know, if you're comparing it to Playmobil or one of the cheaper Playmobil's a bit crap, isn't it? The quality's a bit better, and importantly, I think, Mm -hmm. with a toy, especially a pan-generational toy that's been running for so long, when you have kids, you want them to play with the same toys that you had such joy out of when you were a child. You go to the brand that you love. There's a premium on that. You know, it's like saying, why is Apple so expensive? Why is Porsche so expensive? You can, but there are rivals that do products that are nearly as good or as good, but you are buying the brand, and they are the premium brand. So that's that's partly it. They're perceived as the best, even if they are just basically selling moulded plastic. So, of course, they're going to charge the most they can. Also, some of it is themed... And the theme stuff always costs loads. Well, indeed. So that's part of the other reason. They actually, despite the fact that there is this long tail on their products that I just referred to... Well, that's why you need to charge, because otherwise where's the repeat custom coming in? Exactly. Uh, so someone will buy it and potentially give it to their ga- grandchildren in 70 years' time. Mm. So you're, you're, you're charging them for the product that they're going to keep for ages. Think of it as a fee for future generations to pay exactly. for the Lego use. Mm. Despite that, they also have quite a fast turnaround to keep kids interested. So there's film tie-ins, there's mm. uh, evolving kind of Lego Technics products and stuff that, you know, goes bang and beep and whiz. And all of that stuff costs money and research and development and all the rest of it, mm. which the other toy companies aren't necessarily doing. And Lego isn't part of a big corporate monolith. They are still unbelievably imagine how much money they have they are still a privately owned family company right i reckon that's the nub of it then yeah Hmm. despite being the third largest toy manufacturer by sales behind mattel and hasbro rolling in it bad news for fisher price ahead of tomi ahead of namco and yet they're private and family controlled i think lego is kind of amazing i mean when you think about like if i wanted to make a new lego toy say i want to build a new plane or a a spaceship just hypothetically imagine i wanted to build a lego spaceship (laughs) it's not your birthday till may martin reaching for the web browser now that's quite a lot of design that goes into that and and i mean even if you just consider the off the shelf lego bits that you would use to build a spaceship but quite frequently the designers will get say well actually we need a new canopy or a new light or a bit that goes onto it Mm. and then you build in all the stuff where there's robotics electronics really it's a really good toy not only yeah. it's reusability it's a very sophisticated set of toys set but, of building blocks but i remember when i was a child the small lego packs that were for making a particular thing were always very expensive yes but what you want really with lego is just to have loads of generic bricks to make all sorts of structures of and that is still pretty expensive yes yes but it, what they'll say is that they'll spread they'll spread the cost of the research and development of the more complicated bits across the basic bricks mm. because otherwise if you were just buying a fence a Lego fence, 
that would cost three times more than a brick because it took longer to develop whereas actually it shouldn't should it should be the same cost as a brick because you need to build a house with a with a fence and a wall do lego people come in different colors now that is a great question or are they just all yellow i don't know the answer to that i know that playmobil you used to be able to get brown ones didn't you but i think I, so yeah. i think because lego like lego indiana jones and lego star wars i'm pretty sure all they're yellow, yellow. Yeah. yeah i think that's their thing I bet they have a few token purple-faced characters. Well, it's curious, isn't it? Because, like, in The Simpsons, they're all yellow, but then they have black and brown characters yeah. who clearly are African-American slash Indian, Indian Pakistani-Americans. But yeah. when, when they have yellow, that means white. Whereas in Lego, I'm not sure yellow does mean white. I think yellow just means Lego. Or jaundiced. Um, but on the issue of the high-quality product, which I said I would get back to, and now I will. Because no you're liar. a high-quality product. That's right. Uh, the thermoplastic that they use is apparently the highest-quality non-degradable plastic you can use in a toy yeah that explains why it hurts so bloody much when you step on a piece they're investing in something they know is going to last for many years those molds apparently the most expensive and they make them in germany not china so they'll say well we invest in high quality european plastic molds they do last really well if you had lego bricks for a long time the 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 lego word normally you know uh, rubs off the nubbin but it's still functional 10 years later isn't it Oh, yeah. More than 10, Martin. That's what we need. We need more people having reusable toys and products. Well, we had Lincoln Logs, and they lasted what? as long as Logs. That's, just a That's Canadian Lego. It's is it? If you can build log cabins out of little notched logs. Oh. Is that why you're so into log cabins? Yeah, I think it is. Oh. I love log cabins. Finally, it makes sense. She's obsessed with with log cabins and beds made of logs. Yeah. I like, that's all it takes. <laughs> I wouldn't have one in London, but on holiday... I'm immediately lit up by a log bed. But I think it's because my great aunt Pat, who used to live on Vancouver Island, brought mm. a bucket of Lincoln logs over for us to play with his children. And uh, my goodness, the endless fun you can have constructing small log cabins with those. Mm. Why didn't they call it Logo, though? <laughs> as a play on Lego. I'm Sir Helen Mirren, sex pensioner. Normally I have to play it straight, getting Oscars, being the Queen, or getting my milkers out for the Radio Times. But for giggles, answer me this is my prime suspect. This is from Ed from Leeds, who says, Helen, answer me this. Why is coffee sometimes referred to as a cup of joe? Is it after Joe Mangle? I've never heard of this. Oh my God, I love it. It was after Joe Mangle. If you squeeze Joe Mangle, brown liquid comes out, cup of Joe. <laughs> I've never heard this expression you before. You haven't? Never. It's a very common uh, Americanism. Americans have a lot of nicknames for coffee. Jazz juice. But they've, that's a classic. they've already brought in their own perverted subgenres of coffee anyway with the mocha, frappa, Americano. latte, scapa. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Isn't why- Americano just black coffee? Uh, you, it's no, not, it's not. No. Americano oh, okay. is it's espresso with hot water. Exactly. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's espresso with hot water, oh, which, is, like which a, is not as nice. It's like no. an espresso cordial. And it is. Mm. It took me literally years to realise that you can go into a Nero or a Starbucks or a mm. Costa and ask for a white coffee, like a white filter coffee. Mm. They don't do it, but they don't advertise it because it's half the price of an Americano. <laughs> and you fall into the trap, if you want a large white coffee, of saying, can I have an Americano with milk, which in itself is perverse, because an Americano is supposed to be drunk black, really. And then you ask for a large one, and what they do, instead of putting more water in it, which is what you do with the filter coffee, is they give you a double shot of espresso. Right. So actually, you're just completely wired, and you've spent £3.50. I'm learning so much about the world of coffee drinking, in which I have never stepped. Yeah, well, I'm back on it. I'm back on it because of my overnight work. Yeah. Oh, you've done so well, Ollie. Yeah, sort of, but it, it was a choice of... Do I want to be broadcasting for three hours every morning, not fully mm. awake? <laughs> or do I want to slightly damage my health with the chance I'll have a palpitation? I'll take the latter. Why didn't you just go straight to speed? Who's oh. to say I didn't, Helen? Oh, Who's to point. say I didn't try out mm. the options first? Amphetamines can be very <laughs> slimming. 
Uh, well, uh, Cup of Joe uh, has disputed origins, which mm. is very tiresome, and the most plausible explanation as agreed by internet word nerds. Is it, is it from Cup of Java? From Java Coffee? Uh, yeah, sort of. It's a, it's a corruption of possibly Java or possibly a word Jamoke, which Jamoke. itself is an elision of Java and Mocha. Wow. That's rubbish, though, isn't it? That is a rubbish explanation. But the one that is most bandied around is that saying, before the First World War, the uh, Secretary to the US Navy, Joseph S. Daniels, decided that the army weren't allowed booze anymore, so the army started drinking a lot more coffee, so coffee was called Cup of Joe, disparagingly. But I think that is founded on nothing. Joe is kind of like the American version of your sort of Tom, Dick and Harry, isn't it? It's the name that gets Joe applied. Blogs. Yeah, the Joe Blogs mm. thing. I wonder if really... Joe Public. Cause, yeah, because Cup of Joe sounds like... I mean, I've never heard the it sounds, before. It sounds informal, isn't it? It's like a friend you drink several times a day. Yeah, a guy in a diner sitting down. Hey, get me a Cup of Joe. Yeah, but you would say that for that awful jug coffee that they have in America but not for an espresso for instance right exactly so the fact that that guy sitting in the 1950s diner of my imagination ever said hey get me a cup of corruption of java and whatever else you said it just seems unlikely well I think so but but also there's no foundation for this world war one explanation at all because the saying didn't even get recorded till 1930 right so unlikely okay here's a question from Tom from Derby uh, who says uh, I know it's been a while since you asked for whelming facts from our hometowns when was that two seven eight yeah yeah it hasn't been that long people sometimes get in touch with feedback from like three and a half years ago I can't remember what you're talking about people that get in touch with feedback from three and a half years ago don't do that they do do that don't they you've been talking about milk a lot no we haven't yeah no we haven't I was 27 when we did that yeah as soon as it's out of our mouths, we forget it. Yeah, we forget it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tom, <laughs> uh, Tom says, I recently heard a whelming fact of a hometown that has led me to a question. Mm. The thoroughly whelming fact is, Derby contains the only statue of Bonnie Prince Charlie on horseback in the world. What a fact. Presumably, uh, continues Tom, this means that he's on foot in all other statues. Not necessarily. He could be riding a pig or a hippopotamus or he could be on roller skates. <laughs> I know what he means though. When you make that caveat, you, it's just flagging up the fact that mm-hmm. it, there's something unimpressive about it. It's yeah. like when the Shard opened and they were like, the tallest building in Western Europe. Yeah, you're like, oh God, is there a bigger one even in Europe? That's a bit crap, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, make it bigger than whatever's in Germany. I mean, just, you know, put the effort in. Put a flagpole on the top. That's what they always do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, Tom says, Helen, answer me this. What makes a statue a statue? Um... See, maybe what they're saying, I suppose, is that this is the only statue of Bonnie Prince Charlie on horseback in the world, but there are other types of depictions of Bonnie Prince, what's it, on the horseback? Sculptures. Abstract sculptures. Yes, well, this is it. So Tom continues, can I make one out of mashed potato in a different city and refute this claim? <laughs> well, like kind of close encounters with Bonnie Prince Charlie. <laughs> um, do statues need to be a certain size, material or location? I'd never thought about this before, no. but it's actually a really good question. Well, I, su- I suspect there's a small print around this to do longevity yeah if you look at the bottom of any statue there is small print it's got a plaque all the u's look like v's though like even if if you made a massive statue of bonnie prince charlie Charlie. in chip paper and it was the size of nelson's column and you put it in trafalgar square the fact that it would blow away and and go soggy in three days time doesn't count it has to to stay there for years that's a philosophical point but i would say that the that statues are a subset of sculpture and statues are specifically 
they're figurative like so humans or animals or both i think i think a statue is usually less arty than something that would be counted as a sculpture so it's probably got to be a lot more figurative and a lot more representative of what that person actually looked like rather than an abstract arty representation of what they were like and also i think it has to be kind of approximately life-size or within the realistic bounds of life-size so mm. statue of liberty i would take issue with the term statue there because that's the size of a no, block of flats. Think that can count. I mean, a lot of statues are much bigger than the original thing so they're visible i think with statues and sculptures you have to fiddle with proportions a bit to make it look realistic because mm actual size people in statue form look small another reason why you have to elevate them on a plinth as well how tall is, how tall is Nelson on, on Nelson's column there's still a scale though isn't there like I, I it could agree be 20 if feet if it's more than four times the height of the yeah. original person that's being depicted I agree it's more of a monument then than a statue yeah good Ooh. point yeah, it's monument of liberty really what about one Muek? it's the question mm. we're all asking that's very difficult isn't it I would say because of the materials being slightly softer those would be sculptures. I think he'd call them sculptures, wouldn't he? Mm. But it's more realistic than any statue I've ever seen. Doesn't mm. it actually just come down to the fact that there is a tradition of statue that goes back to military history? Well, the Greeks before. And indeed, it's yes. It's probably religious more than it's military. Fine. But whatever, it's a way of commemorating significant figures from history. Yeah. Icons. And that is different to sculpture, which is from an artistic tradition. And actually, mm. you can just simply attribute yourself is this more in line with the tradition of statue or the tradition of sculpture well there is obvious overlap isn't there but i suppose statue is it's okay for it to be boring whereas sculpture it's kind of wasted opportunity isn't it truly a lot of the very most famous sculptures are very figurative the rodin you know figures they're very i mean they're not of of well-known historical figures but they are very lifelike but i suppose the point of those is to express something more than it is to represent a dead war leader Hmm. But how do you know what the uh, intentions of the artist were? Hmm. Um, well, you have to look at the small print on the base of the statue. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want a statue of you? God, no. Can you imagine anything more terrible? I, don't I think like we'd the, love I... the statue of the three of us just on a plinth somewhere in a market town. No, I don't like the, the idea that people could be joking around with us and having pictures taken where they do that V for victory sign yeah. you know, like foreigners do. And That's be- just irritating. And being covered in bird shit. And all I'm saying is there are a lot of headless statues in Crystal Palace Park. Mm. There's room for the three of us. Yeah. We're well, I mean, I wouldn't be so vain as to commission it, but if someone wants to make a statue of us... But if a listener wanted to no. do a Kickstarter, EG... <laughs> my dad's a sculptor and he's never even wanted to sculpt me. He's, he's, he's had a go at both of my brothers. It's fine. You wouldn't want to do something where you were sort of groping a waxen version of your daughter's boobs. That would be really weird. Firstly, he just did my brother's head. In Venice, he does specialise, doesn't he, in um, people sort of caught in the middle of a sporting activity. He used that's, to. That's something yeah. that's not really your field. No, not, no it isn't. He, he's never seen you playing rugby, so yeah. he can't really imagine what it would be like to sculpt you. He could capture me in in uh, the middle of the movement of changing TV channel. <laughs> I actually, if if only he'd done a sculpture of you, Helen, when you were eight years old with those NHS glasses, oh, yeah. whilst playing lacrosse or netball, that's a statue that I would pay good money for now. <laughs> well, I'm sure that if you did pay him some good money, he would make you that, <laughs> but grudgingly. I'm not saying I was disappointed, but that would have made a wonderful wedding gift. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we end this episode of Answer Me This. And what a lovely way to go. (laughs) Uh, But we can only come back for more next time if you send us questions to talk about. Yeah, so please do send us them via email, phone or Skype and our contact details are on our website. Answermethispodcast.com where you can also find links to Facebook and Twitter to follow us there. And remember, if you want to buy any of our stuff and give us 90% of the revenues instead of uh, giving... um, third-party companies that money go to answermethisstore.com where you can buy all our classic episodes and things and rest assured we do pay our taxes (laughs) Uh, we'll be back in two weeks bye Bye.